Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. It is now November. Sometimes I start with an idea or a thought and build the podcast around that. And other times like today, they, they write themselves, right? And some of you may have seen this blowing up on Twitter. But for those who haven't, we're going to look at an article in The Atlantic that the left is calling for a COVID mulligan while everyone else with a memory is losing their shit. I'm referring to Emily Oster's article titled, Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. So keep in mind as we go through this story that Ms. Oster is an economist at Brown University, which is an Ivy League school and in case you're interested, the tuition for the 2022-23 academic year is shade over $83,000. So if you have 83 grand burning a hole in your pocket and you like what this lady's saying, Brown University is the place for you. So let's get right into it. It's a very short article. I'm going to read a couple passages from it and we'll, we'll comment on it and you guys can just make up your own mind about what we should do as far as forgiving the pandemic response amnesty towards the people that made mistakes and what a Miss Emily Oster is going to lay out here. Quote, I've been reflecting on the lack of knowledge thanks to a class I'm co-teaching at Brown University on COVID. We spent several lectures reliving the first year of the pandemic discussing the many important choices we had to make under conditions of tremendous uncertainty. Some of those choices turned out better than others. Schools in the U.S. were closed for too long. The latest figures on the learning loss is alarming. But in the spring and summer of 2020, we had only glimmers of information. End quote. <sighs> okay, uh, fair point. With a big however to follow, though. We did have only glimmers of information. But get ready for the running theme of, well, we didn't advocate for science and transparency because there is zero evidence that this man-made bioweapon that was created in a lab in China that was funded by the U.S. taxpayers through money through the NIH, subbed out to Ralph Barrick at the UNC Chapel Hill, who then subbed it out to Peter Daszak at EcoHealth Alliance, it affected children. There was zero evidence that SARS-CoV-2 affected children. So if we're actually looking at the data, right, and our goal was to get the response right at a very minimum, that point should have been widely publicized, at least to alleviate the parental concern and worry about children, and hopefully foster and open a truthful dialogue about what we should do with schools. Ms. Oster goes on to continue, quote, another example, when the vaccines came out, we lacked definitive data on the relative efficacy of the Johnson & Johnson shot versus the mRNA options for Pfizer and Moderna. The mRNA vaccines have one out. But at the time, many people in public health were either neutral or expressed J&J &J as a preference. This misstep wasn't nefarious. It was a result of uncertainty. End quote. Again, these podcasts write themselves sometimes. We lack definitive data of efficacy? No shit. In all of the trials that were submitted by Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, and Moderna, all their trials that they submitted to the FDA lacked efficacy. They showed plenty of adverse event warning signals. 
right? In the study, people in those studies, the vaccinated people got and spread COVID in the trials. So they knew that, they didn't tell you that. And it was known before the FDA's EUA approval. Again, this all goes back to the lack of transparency in actual science. The FDA rubber stamped these experimental, ineffective and unsafe shots. In all fairness, they were moving at the speed of science. Ms. Oster links to a study in the sentence about the mRNA vaccine has won out. And the link is for an article in Nature. I put it in the description. You can check it out. And the title of that article that she linked is mRNA vaccine-induced antibodies more effective than natural immunity in neutralizing SARS-CoV-2 and its high-affinity variants. This article we're going through was written on the 31st of October, so a few days ago. And the study that she just cited was published in February 2022. <sighs> Does anyone think that the gene therapy shot participants have better immunity to SARS-CoV-2? Just asking for a friend. Any of my mRNA listeners out there, you know, how many breakthrough cases are you up to? Because me and my natural immunity, we're at one, holding at one scoreboard. She goes on to say, quote, we have to put these fights aside and declare a pandemic amnesty. We can leave out the willful purveyors of actual misinformation while forgiving the hard calls that people had no choice but to make with imperfect knowledge, end quote. Anyone still using the word misinformation hasn't learned any lessons yet. Lab leak theory, natural immunity being a, actually a thing, early treatment options at work, vaccine adverse events. You can still get it and spread it with a shot. All of these things are considered misinformation today. And all those things are true. And what people are we forgiving for making hard calls with imperfect knowledge? She doesn't list any. You know, the people who made the hard calls did so out of self-interest and they lied to you at every turn while pounding the table for censorship of their critics and the suppression of actual science and data. Our Lord and Savior, St. Fauci, has financial interest in Moderna and Remdesivir, among a million other things, but those are the two main players in COVID. He wasn't saddled with imperfect knowledge. He was saddled with motive and opportunity to use his influence to enrich himself and his psycho friends. He should be brought up on fucking charges of crimes against humanity and tried at the Hague, not given a mulligan. Quote, moving on is crucial now because the pandemic created many problems that we still need to solve. Well, I agree with the we still need to solve problem part of that one. And the first problem we need to solve is making sure this never happens again. I think we owe it to every person who died from this man-made bioweapon that whoops escaped from a lab to hold those responsible accountable. And don't give me the, well, they didn't know bullshit excuse. Okay, because every time I've been audited by the federal government for my taxes or audited by the fucking state government for my sales tax or audited by the Department of Transportation for my hazmat training. Not knowing something is not an acceptable reason for missing something and not giving them the money or not having a certain form filed in a certain fucking place, right? I was held accountable regardless of my reason for missing something. I was held accountable regardless of my aptitude on the tax code and the regulations. 
So in the interest of being consistent, I don't think we should afford the government forgiveness that they don't extend to we the people, you know, who pay their salary and we're supposedly their bosses. Also, I'm a small business owner, right? I, not a regulations expert. So if anyone should get the forgiveness or the benefit of the doubt of the ignorance, it's, it's me. Now, if I make a mistake or I overlook something that has to do with my profession in which I am an expert in, that shit's on me. There is no pleading ignorance because you're the expert in the room. So just like the public health professionals, so-called experts in public health must be held to that same standard. Back to the story, quote, many people have neglected their health care over the past several years. Notably, routine vaccination rates for children's are way down. Rather than debating the role that messaging about COVID vaccines had in this decline, we need to put all of our energy into bringing these rates back up. Pediatricians and public health officials will need to work together on community outreach, and politicians will need to consider school mandates. End quote. <laughs> what kind of tone-deaf psychopath would utter the word mandate and childhood vaccine in the same goddamn sentence after what we've just went through. You have a customer confidence issue with vaccines now. That's why they're down. The parents are waking up to this whole vaccine thing isn't as cut and dry as they say. It's not as safe as they say. You know, the doctors scare the shit out of the parents and we just keep boosting our kids with these toxic fucking ingredients. Remember what we said in the last podcast when we covered the childhood vaccination schedule? 72 doses are on the childhood vaccination schedule from birth to 18 years old. And remember, it was only 16 doses back in 86 before Congress gave the drug companies immunity from, you know, injuring us and killing us with these fucking vaccines. But, you know, make sure to get your two doses of the rubella vaccine because there was six reported cases in the U.S. in 2020. Yeah, six Six cases of rubella, but get the vaccine and make sure you get your booster because you need it for school. <sighs> Quote, the standard saying is that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it, but dwelling on the mistakes of history can lead to a repetitive doom loop as well. Let's acknowledge that we made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty and then try to work together to build back and move forward. End quote. That's how she closed off the article. I mean, she was only really only missing the build back better and move forward. But I mean, there's just so much to say for this for, for this article and how it, it just creates that visceral anger in reaction in most people. I have a million things to say regarding this article, but I think Michael Sanger said it really good in The Daily Skeptic. He had a couple of replies directly back to Miss Oster about her article. And uh, I'm just going to read them because they're funny as hell and he's, he's right on. He says, oh, yeah, hey, sorry you lost your job because of the vax that doesn't work and your grandmother died alone and you couldn't have a funeral and your brother's business was needlessly destroyed and your kids have weird heart problems. But hey, let's just admit we were all wrong and call a truce, eh? It's too bad we shut down the entire economy. It's too bad we shut down the entire economy down and took on tyrannical powers that have never been used before in this country. You know, looking back, you should be able to go to church and use public parks while we let people ride in the streets. But it was a confusing time for everyone. 
Hey, I'm sorry we scared the hell out of you and lied for years and persecuted and censored anyone who disagreed, but there was an election going on, and we really wanted to be Donald Trump, so it was important to radically politicize the science, even if it destroyed your children's lives. <laughs> okay, yes, we said unvaccinated people should die and not get health care while never questioning Big Pharma once. But we are compassionate people, which is why, even though we shut down the entire economy, we also bankrupted the nation and caused inflation. You're welcome. Let's be friends. Great stuff from uh, Michael Sanger from Daily Skeptic. Couple other randos here who responded to Miss Oster. Wouldn't it be interesting if even just one prominent person in charge apologized or even just acknowledged that they were wrong? Here was another one. For all those aged 0 to 69, which covers 94% of the global population, the infection fatality rate was 0.095, meaning the survival rate for those infected with COVID pre-vaccination for nearly 7.3 billion people was 99.905%. The thing about being a member of the expertise class is that admitting failure puts in jeopardy the claims of expertise. If they had actual expertise, they wouldn't be so insecure. The fact that they are reveals they know their credentials are entirely an artifact of perception. Man, these people, I love fucking Twitter. They were tossing terminally ill people off of organ transplant lists and now call for mercy. So three cheers for the good propaganda from the Atlantic and Brown University professor of economics, Emily Oster. And if you were inspired by her great work and you want to drop 84K to attend Brown University... I just want to give you a quick update from their website. As we all know, colleges, especially, especially Ivy League schools, follow the science and they're on the cutting edge of doing what's in their students' best interest. Because, you know, after all, all the good world leaders and, you know, really successful people come from the Ivy League schools, right? So in case you want to go to Brown University, from the website, Brown University requires that students, faculty, and staff members receive the COVID-19 vaccine and a booster, and that they stay informed about vaccines by learning about their safety, effectiveness, and availability. Brown is committed to providing up-to-date information about COVID-19 vaccinations and resources to help the community understand this important next step in addressing the global pandemic. The wider and faster the vaccine is distributed and utilized in Providence and Rhode Island communities, the sooner more normal operations will return to Brown University campus. Currently, three COVID-19 vaccines, one made by Pfizer, one made by Moderna, and one made by Johnson & Johnson have been authorized for emergency use in the United States by the Food and Drug Administration. Both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines require two doses and have been shown to be 95% effective in preventing symptomatic laboratory-confirmed COVID-19 and in preventing severe disease. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a single-dose vaccine that has been shown to be 85% effective in preventing severe or critical COVID-19 disease 28 days after vaccination. In clinical trials, it was 
100% effective at preventing death. <sighs> so as of November 2nd, 2022, that is on the front page of Brown University's website because they follow the science. So remember kids, misinformation is the real danger. Unless it's peddled by Ivy League schools, the government, Big Pharma, the mainstream media, and anyone else who is actively trying to deceive you on behalf of these crazy leftists. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert. We're so sorry if we caused you any pain. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert. But there's no...